Good evening, everybody. Welcome inside the Villanova Basketball Report. It's live here on Bob Long Sports. And this is a big night here as we talk about a Villanova basketball team that won two games this past weekend. Uh, actually, one earlier in the week and then one against Providence on Saturday. And as you see behind me, outshot, that's against Butler. Out-rebounded, that's against Providence. But they are unscathed for now. And to help us talk about this, we have the voice of uh, Villanova basketball when it comes to the radio portion. So he sits in the studio. He runs everything that needs to get Ryan Fan and Whitey Rigsby onto the air. And then we'll dial in some scores and updates as well. His name's Ryan Lennox. He's with 610 ESPN Radio, and he is my distinguished guest here tonight. Ryan, how are you, my friend? It's good to see you. I'm great, Bob. How are you? Um, I'm absolutely wonderful and excited to have you on to talk about this Wildcats team. This is a Villanova team all the way up to number eight in the country, but uh, certainly we've talked over the course of the year on this show uh, some of the shortcomings of the team, but they keep overcoming them. A short bench and a team of young players, they continue to deliver a big testament to Jay Wright and what he's been able to do with this squad. Your thoughts? I think defensively, um, this is a completely different team than we've seen in the past where maybe last year or the year before, They've relayed, I, I believe, more on offense and defense. And this year, when the offense isn't there, they've just shut down the other teams on defense. And it's just a testament of the practice and uh, the early season games where, you know, maybe they did lose, but, you know, you picked up something from that game. And, and it's starting to show um, up to number eight in, in the polls, and, and they're ready for Big East play. You know, we're, we're diving into the – into the middle of Big East play here, and they're ready to go. They're, they're firing on all cylinders, so we're ready to go. Yeah, it's interesting to me. You talk about the offense versus the defense. To me, when I watch the game, I see what I think you see and a lot of the folks see out there, which is the defense keeping them in these games. And if the offense really struggles, long scoreless streaks, you know, shooting in the low 40s against Butler or the high 30s, against Providence still coming up with those wins. I see the defense as the reason for that. But if you go under the Ken Palm rankings, you know, Villanova has been anywhere from the top five to at the back end, kind of the mid-teens in terms of offensive efficiency. Right now they're listed as the number 14 team in the country from an offensive efficiency perspective. I find that mystifying with a defense that's listed as 68th right now. Do your eyes see what I see? I mean, it seems to me like the strength is the defense and the offense is what has to come along. The adjusted efficiency measures will tell you differently. It's definitely more of a defensive team. Um, Numbers-wise, sometimes you might not see it, but, I mean, when you watch the games, you just see a team shut down the, the opposing team's you know best shooter or their best rebounder. I mean, whatever. It, it, it's all little things. It's not. They're not going to beat somebody by forty. This isn't. You know, this isn't twenty eighteen again. We're not going to spank everybody in the playoffs. I mean, we're talking one game at a time, and that's what the coach has instilled to all of them. It's one game at a time. I mean, I I really see them like really doing more things. I mean, you know, it, it's the little things that you don't see in the paper. It's. It's the quick passes, it's the breakaways, it's the three-pointer that on paper it's like, oh, he just hit a three-pointer, you know. But that three-pointer might ended a 12-0 run for Providence, and you know, right? It's all about the little things this year. That's how I see it. Sure. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that for sure. I mean, I feel as if 
one of those buckets that you talk about was the one scored by Jeremiah Robinson Earl, which ended a essentially a six-minute field goal drought for Villanova. Uh, that Robinson Earl dunk after the Gillespie defensive rebound, one of the only defensive rebounds they could, could really corral in the late stages of that game, led to the dunk. That was the only bucket, as I said, in the last 645. There's one of those where uh, it's a momentum shifter and really a game ender. The question is, though, you know, why is Villanova scoring four field goals in the last 12 minutes of a game? Granted, on the road, Providence, a tough defensive team, a really good rebounding team. What do you see when it comes to some of the lulls of this team offensively? I feel like this team reminds me a lot of the Eagles. Um, they're a first-half scoring team and a second-half defensive team. Um, they just, I don't know, in the first half, they just really get it going in a lot of the games. I mean, every once in a while they'll get down, and then the second half will come out, and they'll go on like a 7-0 and run to start the game. And meanwhile, the other team's scrambling to call a timeout. Um, uh, did you watch the Providence game, Bob? Which game was that? Sorry? The last game. Did you watch the Providence game? Oh, of course. Yes. And what were your thoughts on um, um, what was his name? Uh, Diallo. <laughs> he saw, I mean, he's, he's supposed to be their best player. He played like absolute just not great. I, I would even say garbage. <laughs> I, I was going to say, was, this is a family show. I was four, wondering four, where you were going there. <laughs> no, no, no. He, had, he played like absolute garbage. He ended up playing, what, 14 minutes. He shot 0 of 6. Yep. Uh, three, three, three fouls, and there were two quick ones in the first half. And that coach from Providence yanked him quick. I mean, you kept him in the game could they have won? Maybe. I mean, Villanova was up 37-30 at the half, but I mean – to have a guy like that come in who can dominate a game and have zero points, it just shows what guys like Jermaine Samuels and Jeremiah Robinson Earl, they knew exactly what to do to push this guy's buttons, and it got him right off the court very quickly. Yeah, you're right. No, th there's absolutely no doubt about that right there, that Diallo struggled in that game, and that was huge for this Villanova basketball team. Um, so I'm not talking about defense, absolutely. What I'm a little bit concerned about are the scoring droughts. And, and again, uh, last mm -hmm. year I felt over the course of the show I was being a little bit too critical. Um, the only critical nature of what I'm talking about is, hey, is this the number eight team in the country now or not? A and that's a very interesting question to ask because there's a question about Villanova on a micro level and the Big East on a micro level, but really college basketball, Ryan, on a macro level. And, you know, I see a Duke team that has a great record, has a lot of good players, but has really struggled in a lot of games. Uh, I see a Villanova team that has a lot of very young players. They're developing. I think they'll continue to get better, and this team, proportionally speaking, will get better than the rest of their competition, and I think that'll allow them to stay in this level. But, again, back to Ken Palm. You know, he has a, a statistic for adjusted luck, and Villanova is seventh in that. Take that as you will. Um, I don't know how I trust it because I, I have trouble with the offensive offense, uh, adjusted offensive efficiency at 14. But, you know, what I see right now is a team finding ways to win. They have a game on the road at Madison Square Garden tomorrow, a game that they should win. That would put them 13 out of the last 14, Ryan in W's going into a tough home matchup against Creighton. You know, however you slice it, certainly the big game is Seton Hall coming up the following Saturday. 
But Villanova is finding a way to win these games, and that does say a lot about this team. Yeah, they've got a couple of tough ones coming up. Um, even St. John's, I mean, you're talking you got a new coach, you got some fresh blood in there. I mean, that's no walk in the park. And like you said, Creighton's coming up, Seton Hall's coming up. These are teams that are really, really, really good. And they've seen Villanova, they know what they can do, as vice versa. Villanova knows what they can do. And I mean, it's a completely different atmosphere when you the first time they've ever been there. Um, it's going to be a real testament. The next probably two weeks is a real testament to this basketball team. You know, whether, you know, a lot of critics think, oh, you know, they play some cupcakes in the beginning. You beat St. John's, Seton Hall, and Creighton all within, you know, two weeks. That's that's more than just one feather in your cap. I mean, you're talking you're talking a high seed for uh, end of the season. You're talking March Madness. You're talking uh, buy in the Big East tournament. There's a lot of things that come into play that I don't think a lot of people really realize that you know this win could could do this down the road or this loss could affect so many different things. So it, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting next couple of weeks, and I'm really excited about it. Ryan Lennox is with us here on the Villanova Basketball Report. Bob Long here. And, Ryan, uh, you mentioned that St. John's win, or the, the game that they're going to play against St. John's, and specifically their ability to go up to Madison Square Garden and get a win. You know, the one thing that Villanova has struggled a little bit with is going on the road. Creighton and Seton Hall, after the fact, will be at home, but St. John's on the road. Do you think that's a factor? And before you answer that question, what I see is, hey, Villanova, 3-2 and two on the road. Two of their losses were not good. Ohio State and Marquette, what were the keys there? A hot start by the opposing offense and Villanova having one of their slow starts early, not being able to recover after they get down big. You know, they've had so, slow starts consistently over the course of the year, but it's that they've hung in there defensively in those games. Uh, the question is, is St. John's going to be able to outscore Villanova in the early stages or not? But like you said, St. John's not a walk in the park. I'll add to that the road test as Villanova's only played five true road games this year, and they're 3-2 and two in that span. So what a lot of people I don't think realize is Coach Wright loves to play at Wells Fargo, and there's a reason for that. You can't play all your games at the Pavilion. He wants these kids to play in a big atmosphere where there's a lot of people, there's a lot of noise, and it's not familiar to some of them, right? So you go to you go to Wells Fargo. You play half your home games there. You play half your um, half your home games at the Fin, and then you know your road games are all over the place. But to play a game at like Madison Square Garden, a game like this is great because it opens them up. Because um, the Big East tournament, March Madness, everything else, you've got to get used to that crowd noise. You've got to get used to everything, like the big lights, the big nights, especially in a city like New York. I mean. It's going to be a real good testament, not only like the physical testament, but a, but a, their mental state to going into something like that. You know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of cameras there. There's going to be a lot of people hooting and hollering. So I'm I'm very excited uh, for what they um, what they could do with a game like that. They, it could really show what they're made of. You know, come middle of March. Interesting to hear you say that Coach Wright likes to play games at the Wells Fargo Center. Not that I'm surprised. They scheduled seven games there this year of a possible 15. Season ticket holders have to be absolutely thrilled, uh, I can only imagine. But 
Uh, with that said, I have seen and thought that Villanova's shot well at the Wells Fargo Center. They've won some big games there in recent years. Uh, and the most important thing, Ryan, there is that the Wells Fargo Center is not hosting either a regional or a first and second round weekend of the NCAA tournament. The ruling there being if the Wells Fargo Center were to host those three games, any team that would play more than three games at that venue, it would be considered a home venue for that team. So Villanova's strategic in that way. Uh, I've never seen seven. Do you have any insight as to why it was seven games this year? I think their previous high was five at the Wells Fargo Center. Um, n not that I know of, no. I, I know that the coach likes to play over there. Um, you know, it, it, it's a different it's a different, a different atmosphere. It's the same like, you know, when they went over to the, the Finn when it just opened up, all the big nights and the bright lights over there as well. But Wells Fargo is just different. I mean, it's a completely different atmosphere. I, you, you can get, you know, 20,000 over there, where at the new one you can only get, I think, like eight. So Finn is still 6,500 as it originally was. 6,500. Yep. Um, I, I think it's just, you know, more people want to see him play. I mean, you've won two titles in three years. I mean, you got to give the people what they want. So There you go. And they will play more and more at the, uh, at the Wells Fargo Center, you'd think, going forward. Now let's break down uh, some of the keys in that game against Providence, most specifically the rebounding. So you were obviously on the controls there as Whitey and Ryan were up at uh, in Providence. You were there obviously hearing every word those guys were saying. The rebounding, the offensive rebounding for Providence, Ryan, was a big factor in that game and a game that allowed them to stay right in it, shooting 30% from the field. 16 offensive caroms. Jeremiah Robinson Earl has shown himself to be a great rebounder over the course of the year. Wasn't his best day on the glass, and as a team, Villanova really struggled. What are your thoughts there, and, uh, and is that something that will hold them back over the rest of the year? I think that was an off game, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, if you, go, if you look at the defensive rebounds, Villanova had 31 Providence only had 29, so it was real close there. But offensively, they just <laughs> yeah. they couldn't get they couldn't box they couldn't box out um, they couldn't box out as well. I mean, you got to remember you had Jermaine Samuels go out of the game. He I mean he had 23 minutes. Sure, yeah, went one of two shooting with with no rebounds. So I mean, no, you're right. He ended he up is, with four he's points. He's a great rebounder tr uh, on a normal basis, no doubt about that. Uh, yeah. One comment so, on the defensive so rebounds, though. I mean. The reason for that is that Providence shot 30%. So, so Villanova yeah. should have had all the chances in the world to pull down rebounds uh, in excess of Providence. But, yes, it's those offensive rebounds that concern me. Yeah. Um, offensively, I mean, they only had two. And, I mean, yeah. it just it wasn't pretty. Um, but, I mean, you got to – and the way I was uh, – like I was just saying, so with Samuels out, Swider only played 20 minutes. You had to rely on your guards a lot. Um you know, Justin Moore came in for 26 minutes. Right. I mean, he's a guard, so I mean, he's doing the best he can. Cosby Rancher only came in for a handful of minutes. So yeah, his role. Is I mean, they're, they're doing what they can. Uh, Gillespie, you know, he he's chipping in when he can. He had eight rebounds on uh, on Saturday. Sidney Bay had what? He ended up with nine. So I mean, they're doing what they can. I mean, they're a scratch. And I know they're ranked what eight now, but right. to say this is, is how I feel. I I think they're a scrappy team. They don't have one guy every game that comes out and shoots 20, 30 points a game. 
if Samuels does it this game, then guess what? The next game it's Bay. The next game it's Robinson Earl maybe or, or Gillespie or, or maybe even more. But it's someone different every night. And you had four guys shooting double figures for, for Villanova. So, I mean, that's great. No doubt about that. Yes, we're talking to Ryan Lennox here of 610 ESPN Radio. He is on the controls for the Villanova Basketball Radio Network. Ryan Fannin on play-by-play. Whitey Rigsby is on color commentary. Uh, The one thing that I need to get a sense for you, because I listen to Whitey and to Ryan uh, when I can, uh, they do a tremendous job in breaking down the game. I don't know if it's something that comes through on the radio or not, is the tempo of this Villanova team. And in years past, Villanova was more of a running and up-tempo type of team. I think back to the Randy Foy, Kyle Lowry days, Scotty Reynolds as well. As they started to build towards these national championships, they did slow the pace down a little bit. And this year, I think it's the slowest pace team that they've had. Ken Palm adjusted tempo is 284th. So they are the 284th quickest team to take shots in the shot clock uh, out of 30 seconds. Does that come through on radio? And uh, and if so, I, I guess if so, when you're listening to the game, you know, how does that come across and what do you hear and see when you're watching in terms of their efficiency in the late stages of the shot clock? It's a real even-keeled offense. They're not in a rush to run down there and, and shoot up a bunch of three-pointers or try to razzle-dazzle with a bunch of dunks. It's all about, you know, getting your passes in and finding the right mismatch or, you know, or hitting your, your screens and hitting your shots. Um, they're, they're in no rush. When they come down the court, you know, coach is giving them instructions. They're following it to a tee, and, you know, it's game time. They're not going to run down there in, you know, nine seconds and shoot a three-pointer. It, it, that's not their style anymore. They're right. more, they're more uh, even-keeled, even-keeled. Ryan, before we let you go, I want to learn a bit more about your role, and I guess I'm fortunate to know a bit about it, having worked with you at the station in the past on a different show. Uh, But for folks that might hear you occasionally out there on the radio or hear you you referred to by the on-air talent, Ryan and Whitey, what is your role? How did you get it? And, uh, And just walk us through, if you could, a day in the life of Ryan Lennox, the only man standing between us and Villanova basketball on the radio. Stop. You're going to make a Husky <laughs> man blush. Um, honestly, um, the first day I started um, with, with the station was the day that we broke, um, we broke free from CBS. There was a buyout, and we went from um, – it, it was a really complicated situation, but it was Beasley um, picked us up with a trade that they had done for XTU, which was a country station who's now back with Beasley. And um, so we had a couple prior commitments through CBS we had to finish up. And then um, they said, hey, we're going to do some Villanova basketball. Who wants to do it? I, I swooped right in. And, you know, Nova then had only won in 85, and this was 20 what was this, the winter of 2014. So um, I didn't have a chance to really work with the guys. It was a different setup. Um, we went through a different company to do all the commercials and the, and the, um, and the halftime stuff. Uh, it was still Ryan and Whitey, but it was someone else that did the other stuff. And uh, 
every year it was like they would give me more stuff to do, but then finally they broke out of there, and we had a nice meeting with Fox Sports, and they said, we want you guys to run the commercials, we want you guys to do, you know, some uh, score updates, some segments, put some highlight packages together, so I jumped all over that like a hobo on a ham sandwich, <laughs> and I mean, honestly, the rest is history. Um, so say the game, okay, so tomorrow's game is at what? 630. Mm-hmm. 6.30. Make so sure the you're there on time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the pregame will be at 6. So I'll be in at 5 o'clock talking to Ryan, talking to Whitey. We'll go over, you know, interviews, who has what. I mean, Whitey does coach right every game. So, I mean, that's a that's a gimme. But, you know, Ryan Fannin will find some obscure guest out of nowhere, and it's great. And he'll go and he'll interview them for, you know, six, seven minutes, and we'll do this and we'll do that. And then, you know, we'll pop in with some scores and, and the same thing with halftime. We'll do some highlights at halftime and in the post game. And you know what? You look up and you're like, "Holy smokes! It's already halftime!" Or "Holy smokes! It's the last minute of the game because it goes, it goes quick." But the pace of the actual game is real smooth. You know, until they do the hack a shack in the last few minutes of the game. But these games, I mean, that Providence game, first half flew by. It right. Was crazy how quick that game went. And all throughout the game, it was the same thing. Wow, Diallo's not in the game. Oh, Diallo's not in the game. Right. 14 minutes. Oof, 14 minutes. So I'm really excited for the St. John's game, though, honestly, uh, coming up. Um, I love when they go to Madison Square Garden, uh, just just the sights and the sounds. I mean, they'll put the crowd mic on and, and the stuff that the people are, are saying behind the bench. It's just it's real good. Like, you'll get, like, a lot of the boosters from either Villanova or St. John's, and they're just chatting away. So it's a good time. Um for St. John's, I mean, they've got a couple of, I think they have three guys that uh, that average uh, double digits and points. So it's gonna be it's gonna be an exciting game. Really, uh, really looking forward to it. Figueroa for uh, for St. John's should be a should be a menace. So should be fun. It's gonna be a good one. Should be She's fun. Gonna be a good one, Bob. It's gonna be a good one. It's Ryan Lennox here with uh, six ten ESPN Radio. Final question for you, if you do have one more minute. There are a lot of folks out sure. there that haven't had the opportunity to meet Ryan and Whitey. Uh, in your interactions, could you share any either personal stories or just general, uh, I guess, general characteristics? What are they like? Uh, what, what do they do outside of their time on the radio? And if you could just share any of those anecdotes, that'd be great. Sure. So this year's slogan for Villanova basketball is uh, 100 years of Villanova basketball. But we did the research, and this year is actually 40 years of Whitey Rigsby doing Villanova basketball in one capacity or another. So we like to bring that up. To me, it's a big deal. You get a guy like Whitey Rigsby who's played, who's coached, who you know still works for Villanova, and you know he takes time and does all these games, goes on the road with these guys. I mean, it's a big deal. And on the radio, Whitey's a bigger-than-life personality. And then when you meet him, it's just like this guy's so funny. Like he's very quick. But he's also, like, super humble, just, just glad to be there. Now, Ryan Fannin, on the other hand, he's done it a <laughs> while as well. But Ryan Fannin could tell you, like, without even looking or even thinking for half a second how many points Josh Hart had three years ago, you know, in the third game of the year on the road at, you know, Butler or wherever. He, he is a vessel of knowledge. Anything you even want to ask, like, stat-wise, game-wise, he can remember all of that stuff. So we do this thing this year where I play an old highlight and you know to commemorate 100 years of Villanova basketball. 
I'll play the highlight and coming out, he'll say, and I won't tell him what it's from. You know, I'll, I'll just say, oh, this was from 2018. He'll go, oh, Ryan just played this clip from when we beat Marquette by six. And, uh, and he'll say, you know, Wednesday, January 14th, and this guy had this many points. And he just goes on and on. And it, it, it's just a testament of, of what he does um, what he does there uh, for Villanova. And, you know, also he does the, uh, the football games as well. So both guys, super humble, just excited to be part of the process. Always have time to chat or, or take a picture. So that's wonderful. Well, they have a unique chemistry at that. Whitey Rigsby not afraid to lay into the officials. I was listening at one point to the Providence game, and he says, "Well, that is just absolutely ridiculous that that wasn't called." And I'm like, "Yep, that that is the Whitey Rigsby that I know that I listen to." Uh, Ryan's kind of the straight man there in that relationship, and Whitey is willing to. Yeah, he's. He's dish it straight out. and narrow there. <laughs> now, if you listen to the live broadcast of when they beat number one Kansas, there was a play right before that inbounds play. There was another play where Kansas had the ball, and Whitey thought it went off the Kansas guy, and it didn't call. Um, the coaches didn't call over for a review. So as they're inbounding the ball, Whitey's screaming at the assistant coach Kyle Neptune. To have him look at the call because he thought it went off the Kansas guy, but the ref called it after Villanova. So if you were listening that night, you heard Kyle, Kyle, Kyle. But he didn't. I don't think he turned around quick enough. And then they inbounded the ball, and obviously they missed. And Villanova beat the number one team of the nation. But it was a, it was a wild sequence. I'll tell you that. Oh, Oof. that that is wild. That is too funny. All right, I promise the final one, but the big basketball story in Philadelphia, and we probably should have led with it, is Kobe Bryant. The passing of Kobe Bryant, Lower Marion High School, the pride of Lower Marion, the aces there. Uh, your initial thoughts as a basketball man uh, in this town, what Kobe meant, whether it's to you personally or an indirect story, but anything you'd like to share on Kobe before you go. Obviously, you know, top five basketball player of all time, high school-wise. I mean, he, he crushed it, won a state title. I mean, the guy took Brandy to prom. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, I mean, you talk about a guy who, out of high school, went to the pros, won multiple national or uh, NBA titles, you know, some with Shaq, some without, left the game, was still involved. I, I think he won an, a, an Academy Award for yep producing a, a movie he did and was trying to bring light to more women's sports. I mean, the guy was a giver. They said he was one of the greatest storytellers of all time. So I guess we can always appreciate that. And, you know, the fact that he is going to get into the Hall of Fame this year. So he's up uh, for the 2020. Yeah, class. posthumously, so unfortunately. But, yes, no yeah. doubt about it. It, it, was a, it was a shame that he went that way, but... It's, there's nothing we can do about it now, right? Nope, but we will remember the legacy and, uh, and keep him and the family in our hearts. And Lower Marion, I'm sure, will do something really special here at some point in time when everybody is ready to do so. Ryan Lennox, I appreciate your thoughts here, an extended interview, but uh, a helpful one today here is I am all alone in the studio. I'm lonely. So you, you cheered me up and uh, you helped me get through this one by providing some wonderful insight. We really appreciate it. 
No problem, Bob. Glad to uh, keep you company without that awful brother of yours. Yeah, there, so. there you go. There you go. But you might get him next time we uh, have you on. So Uh-oh. bear that one in mind. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Have a great night. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Bob. Take care. All right. There you have it. That is Ryan Lennox calling in. Great to have him on the show here tonight. And great comments that he was able to share in the final minutes there about Kobe Bryant. Uh, certainly, Bob Long Sports, the whole family here at Bob Long Sports, expresses our condolences to Kobe's family, Vanessa, his surviving children, and, of course, to all the others that were in the helicopter that evening. So terrible. Just such a terrible thing there uh, for anybody to have to deal with. And, you know, this community will be mourning for some time. Interesting on my side specifically, uh, I was of all things, calling a high school basketball game at the time that the news was breaking. It was a Philadelphia Catholic League game between LaSalle High School and Archbishop Carroll High School, and really a, a difficult time for a lot of folks there, I think, in that building. You know, there's a lot of people associated with the greater basketball community at large that were that will attend a game at LaSalle, will attend a game at Newman Garetti, will attend games across the Philadelphia Public League, uh, and will, of course, attend games at Lower Marion. And uh, he touched so many lives in this community to be sitting there on the air trying to call a basketball game while at the same time file, follow the story, try to confirm and corroborate multiple sources and then uh, disclose that information on the air. Uh, was difficult, but uh, I appreciate everybody that was watching there that day. We had also pre-scheduled an interview with Josh Verlin of City of Basketball Love, who does a great job covering Philadelphia high school basketball all the way up through Division One college basketball. We had him on at halftime, and he gave his thoughts on Kobe Bryant, so I'd like to share that now. Again, this is myself on the left, as you see it, asking Josh Verlin about the impact of Kobe Bryant Josh Verlin is from Lower Marion, so of course very close from a community perspective there as well. Nobody more emblematic of what defines Philadelphia high school basketball than Kobe Bryant. Everything that he did at Lower Marion. You're a Lower Marion guy. The news is out there. ESPN is confirming that unfortunately he was in a helicopter crash and passed away. What are your memories of Kobe Bryant and immediate visceral reactions? How does this hit you today? It's stunning. I mean, it, you know, it's like Roy Halladay times 10, you know? I mean, when Hall the news came out that Halladay had passed in a plane accident, I mean, you knew that he was into flying those, you know, sorts of small aircraft, and they can be dangerous, but you never think that's going to happen. But, I mean, Kobe Bryant defines the NBA over the last 20 years, him or LeBron James. It, it, right. And, I mean, I still think it's ultimately the Kobe era when you see the way he changed the game, and, and not to take anything away from LeBron, but, but Kobe just so single-handedly defined. I mean, he was the Lakers for 20 years, the preeminent program in the NBA, the player that everybody wanted to be like, the marketing icon. The fact that, I mean, and, and, and to have a, a wife and four kids, but mm. just the fact that he's gone from the basketball community because you knew with the years that, you know, the decades that everybody assumed he had left, what he, the impact that he could have had, not just on Philadelphia basketball, but international basketball right. and to lose an icon like that at 41 years old is just it's stunning i mean I'm, i think my friend ari rosenfeld put it best when he said you both know that this news is real and yet are still hoping that it's not 
And it's it's going to take a long time to accept that that Kobe Bryant just just passed away at far too young an age. No doubt about it. Stunning is the word that I come up with here as well. Simply can't believe it. Uh, and everything that he still had to give, like you said, he had a brilliant mind for basketball. We'll lose that. We'll lose the, the philanthropic side as well uh, and everything that would have come with him. And certainly Lower Marion will grieve. The community will grieve. It's all still very real at this point where we, we just need to process it. Uh, and thank you very much for helping us to do that, giving us your thoughts on that. And thanks to Josh Verlin again for his thoughts. He disclosed those to us uh, during the LaSalle versus Archbishop Carroll game, as you saw on Sunday. And again, that was as the news was coming out. Uh, the condolences to everybody associated with Kobe Bryant and everybody else on the helicopter that evening. I think that's just about it for us here tonight. It's a quick show. Many thanks to Ryan Lennox for helping us out and hopping on. A great guest, as always, you saw from 610 ESPN. He is the studio producer for Villanova Basketball Radio and a good friend of the show here at Bob Long Sports. What I'm looking forward to this week, can Villanova continue to find ways to win? Credit where it is due. The Wildcats continue to fight their way through games where they struggle for long stretches. I think a lot of that has to do with coaching. I think this is one of Jay Wright's better coaching jobs. Still a long way to go here. Uh, however, I, I think about these close games that they've been able to win. That's tremendous. Is that something innate? Will they continue to win the close games? Or is there a luck factor there? And will they need to just play better down the stretch to continue to get the winning results that they've had. 12 of 13 wins, and that is a great metric. No doubt about that. 16-3, and three, a tremendous record. The number eight team in the country, a tremendous ranking. But what I'm here to talk about is to kind of look beyond all of that. And, and what I see is Colin Gillespie, a guy who's a tremendous player. Sadiq Bey is an all-world player. Imagine if he had committed to NC State just a couple of years ago. Uh, of course, Villanova would have one more scholarship, but Sadiq Bey has been essential to this team's success. Robinson Earl, a double-double machine, a guy who can grab a lot of rebounds, didn't have his best rebounding night against Providence, but a guy who controls the glass uh, against similarly-sized guys. Providence bought a, brought a huge backcourt into the equation. That's why I worry about Seton Hall with their, with, I'm sorry, a, a tall front court, I should say. And Seton Hall will bring an exceptionally tall front court into the Wells Fargo Center on February the 8th. So what's going to happen in that game? A long way to go. We'll preview that next week. But a big week here as a winnable game at St. John's and then a difficult game against Creighton, a Creighton team that probably outplayed Villanova on the road in Omaha. And Villanova, again, found a way to win that game. I look at Sadiq Bey and I look at Colin Gillespie, the two guys that put them over the top there. I mentioned Robinson Earl as that third piece. Jermaine Samuels, kind of the wild card on this team. A guy that can score and score in bunches when he wants to, but you don't want him doing too many things or thinking too much. He dribbles well to his right hand, can come to a decent jump stop, and is an okay shoot-from-three, catch-and-shoot type of guy. But I think kind of the more you have him in the system and the less you rely on him as a primary scoring threat – the better this Villanova team will be. And that's going to be my question. Do they have the depth to score what they need to in order to win these games without relying on Jermaine Samuels to play outside of himself? Defensively, 
again, I don't see the 68 <laughs> ranking in terms of Ken Palm. But again, he has better algorithms than I do. I just, when I look at this team, I think defense carries, offense goes in spurts. Perhaps it's those offensive spurts that are exceptional that rises the overall tide of that adjusted offensive efficiency for Ken Palm. Something I'm going to continue to look at this year and evaluate whether this Villanova team is really as offensively efficient to my eyes as what those algorithms are telling us. And then defense, again, you get crushed on the glass. That's not going to help you with the adjusted defensive metrics. But the half-court defense, I think, has been tremendous. Second-chance opportunities have hurt the Cats this year. But they are the eighth team in the country in a very good Big East conference, and that has to be said. As a part of this overall equation, we're talking about Villanova winning close games and games that we think potentially Villanova should win by more. Bear in mind that Providence is a 4-4 four and four team. They struggled in the non-conference but have a lot of really good pieces and are 4-4 four and four in the league. That could have been even better with some of the close games that they've played. The concern is you get out-rebounded 16-2 on the offensive glass. Providence's player, best player, Diallo, doesn't score a point, and Providence shoots 30% from the field, and Villanova leads, needs a, a last-minute bucket just to escape from the Dunkin' Donut Center. That's what I'm going to be continuing to evaluate. Is Villanova getting to the point where they can win the games that they're expected to win and do so comfortably? Maybe none of those exist in the Big East. Maybe not many of those exist in all in, of college basketball. You know, it's one of the most fluid top 25 rankings that I've ever seen. San Diego State and Dayton up four and seven respectively, and, and you can't really say anything about that. For as, as impressive as they've been and the ways they've blown out teams and the ways that Kansas hasn't, Villanova hasn't, Duke has in some stretches, but then has really been less than stellar in others, why not put the Aztecs and the Flyers in the top seven. I think they deserve it. So I think what we'll find over the next few months is there's just so much to sort out. All I can break down here is what Villanova is doing well and what Villanova is struggling with. And we'll see in a two-game-per-week stretch how well this team improves from the end of January into the middle of March, and then it's postseason time and all bets are off from there. Many thanks to Ryan Lennox for hopping on here tonight, Josh Verlin for letting us use uh, his video and audio, his thoughts on Kobe Bryant's passing, certainly something that the, com uh, the entire community will mourn for some time. So for our whole staff here at Bob Long Sports, I'm Bob Long saying so long here from Philadelphia, and you've been watching the Villanova Basketball Report here on Bob Long Sports. We'll see everybody next week. Enjoy the basketball, 6.30, early tip tomorrow as Villanova travels to Madison Square Garden and then back to the friendly confines of the Wells Fargo Center for a 12 o'clock tip against Creighton. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you next week.